Do you see the crazy things that are happening and ways that you can't control? It seems like you can't do anything about it. And I'm pointing this out to you because I'm gonna bring this thing to a close. I'm gonna bring judgment to this world. What are you gonna do about it? Welcome to Elevate Retake. My name is Danae, and I'm going to be your host for this season. Now, on Elevate Retake, you can expect to hear the biblical messages of Michael Gibson. He's the pastor for Elevate, which is a community fellowship in Keene Church. Now, I want you to experience faith as that continual everyday process of learning. It doesn't just happen once. We need to learn more about the Bible, helps us learn more about ourselves, and ultimately, our goal to learn more about God. And I believe this podcast will be just what you need to come a little bit closer in your relationship with God and make it real. If you haven't listened to the first few episodes of this season yet, you would definitely want to. Today, we continue wandering our very first season that follows the wandering life of Abraham, the patriarch of Genesis. This episode asks the question, what upsets God the most? I'm not sure I've thought about that before. Can God even get upset? And what does he get upset about? Well, in Genesis 18 and 19, we will get a clearer picture of what upsets God and what we can learn from it. Let's join Pastor Michael for today's episode, For Goodness Sake. What upsets God the most? What's God's biggest pet peeve? So studying Genesis 18 uh, this week, that question came to mind. And what does upset God? What's the thing that drives him crazy? Perhaps this week you yourself have found what has driven you crazy. Maybe you've stayed home all week and you've interacted with your family for longer than you ever have before. And there's been someone that has just you know, poked that one nerve. You know, now before our pet peeve was if the toilet paper does it come, you know, o- under or over, right? That's, that's maybe some people's pet peeve has got to go over, maybe under. But this week, who used the last roll? And why didn't you tell us about it, right? Interesting times that we live in for sure, but maybe you've become acquainted with your own pet peeves. But what, do, what upsets God the most? What in his heart causes him to be upset? We're going to look at Genesis chapter 18 this morning. So if you don't have the study guide, this is elevate.org slash live. Got your Bibles. Go ahead and open up with me to Genesis chapter 18. And we're going to fit, hit the few uh, beginning verses of chapter 18 first to get a context. And then we're going to dive into the root of our passage today. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre. This is God coming to Abraham, verse 1 of Genesis chapter 18. While he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. And it's almost as if Abraham is expecting God to come. He's waiting for him to come. He's at the door of the tent in the heat of the day instead of in the middle. And when he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, there were men standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. These three men that are coming to Abraham are representing the divine. They, Abraham recognizes that it might even be God himself, and he prostrates himself down before God. And looking at the context of this verse, we're not going to read all of the verses up to 15, but Abraham was quick to entertain the strangers that came to his house. And he spent time, he said, I'm just going to give you a little bit of bread and, 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 and a little drink of water, and then he spends the rest of the afternoon preparing this ginormous feast spends an incredible amount of time pouring himself into hospitality. And during the times that we live in today, even more so we as Christians should be quick 
to be hospitable to those who are in need. And God sits down with Abraham after they're eating, and he has this conversation with Abraham. He's asking Abraham, where's your wife at? And he says, oh, she's in the tent. And God says to Abraham, hey, your wife, she's going to have a kid within the year. And we can read down through the story and realize this, that she laughs. She's kind of like, ha, it's been this long. How am I going to have a child? I'm like 90 years old. This isn't going to happen. And God says, did she, did, did she laugh? She says, no, I didn't do it. But she really actually did. And God says in verse 14, is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And we've been journeying through Exodus, wandering from the known to the unknown. And at this point in the conversation, Abraham is locked and solid with God's plan. We looked last week how he was wrestling with God, but God made a covenant with him and said, Abraham, this is time. This is here right now. You need to be in relationship with me. And Abraham says, yes, Lord, I got it. I know where I'm headed. This is what I need to do. But Sarah, in my understanding in the reading of the text, doesn't quite get it yet. And her faith is being tried and tested by God in ways that she never knew were possible. Is it possible I'm that old? God's going to use me to bear a son? This conversation in the beginning part of Genesis chapter 18 is more about Sarah's faith than it is about Abraham's faith. Abraham's faith is solid. He's ready to go. But Sarah is still wondering and questioning. Then we move on. God's not done with Abraham yet. He's not finished with Abraham's life. We can read it in Genesis chapter 18, verses 16 through 22. Then the men rose up from there and looked down towards Sodom. Abraham was walking with them to send them off. He's wanting to be that guy, that hospitality that's taking care of these gentlemen. And the Lord said, verse 17, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Since Abraham will surely become great and a mighty nation, and, I, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. And the Lord said, the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now and see if they have done entirely according to its outcry, which has come to me. And if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went down towards Sodom while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. God's got one more thing for Abraham. He's got one more thing to show him. It's right here that God chooses to reveal to Abraham what is to come. He's saying, Sodom, Gomorrah, you've likely heard those terms thrown around before and have in your mind an understanding of what those cities were about. God says, Abraham, look at Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm about to go down and destroy them. I've chosen you, though, you to be a blessing, you to be someone for the nations who's going to do righteousness and justice. It's through Abraham that God is choosing to bless others and to bless the nations. And what was that method of blessing that Abraham's family will use to, that they will utilize to bring about God's promise? It's the doing of righteousness and justice. It's in verse 19. It says, I've chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness 
and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about. God's challenging Abraham here. He's saying, I've told you what you need to do. You need to do righteousness and justice. It's not enough during these times to simply talk about it, Abraham. It's not enough to just cloister you and I right here, right now. I've called you to do justice and righteousness. And those Hebrew terms, you can see them in your study guide there. That term, right, right deeds, honesty, and loyalty. The term justice, it's the act of administering justice. God is calling Abraham to be that person in the, these times. Because God's resp- responding to an outcry. And that word outcry is very interesting as well. It comes from a Hebrew word that's used very often and widely throughout the Old Testament. We see the cry of the the outcry of the widow or the orphan in Exodus chapter 22. See the cry of the oppressed servant in Deuteronomy 24. The cries of Israel in Egypt in Exodus chapter 2, 23, chapter 3, um, verses 7 and 9. And we see the cries of the attacked cities in Jeremiah 18, 22, 25, and 48. God says, this outcry is coming to me. When we look at the context of how this word is particularly used, and there's the cry of the oppressed, the cries of the broken, the cries of the sick are rising before God, and he says, my people are being oppressed. There's people in Sodom and Gomorrah that are crying out, and I'm going to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah and actually see if those outcries are true. Likely it's in your mind When I say the word Sodom and Gomorrah, you may think of a town that's licentious, uh, totally built on homosexuality and the the caressing that goes on. But God is not so concerned about that because we pick up the story further in Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 49 through 51. And if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 to 51. My Bible reads it this way. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, and careless ease. But she did not help the poor and needy. Thus they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore I removed them when I saw it. Furthermore, Samaria did not commit half of your sins, for you have multiplied your abominations more than they. Thus you have made your sisters appear righteous by all your abominations which you've committed. God's comparing in this passage Israel versus the other nations. But we zero in on Sodom, who was arrogant and had abundant food and was careless. And then didn't look out for those who were in need, the poor and the needy. God is asking Abraham to exact righteousness and justice. And he's pointing out Sodom and Gomorrah to Abraham and he's saying, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about this? See, righteousness and justice go together and they show a way of a community that's living life. It promotes an abundance. It promotes a life that's for all of its members when righteousness and justice come together. It's when those two are separated, when different institutions stand up with a different way of life, that lifestyle and that people in their communities move from a life-promoting system to a death producing system. And unfortunately, the world that we live in, and I hate to break this to you, but the world leaders, everybody that's in in power and in control of our nation, there's some people that don't get it right. 
There's some people that have the imbalance of righteousness and justice, and they're doing things for their own good. And even at these last times, our government won't protect us. Our national leaders won't protect us, even if it seems like they will. God is calling for a people to stand up to balance righteousness and justice. Because this description of Sodom, as I was reading it, maybe hit home for you as well. Because could it be that we live in a country that has abundance with no want for food? We go around not looking after the poor and the needy. You know, I think about how there were people in Sodom treating others. And I don't know if this has happened to you, and I'm sad to say it for me, but perhaps Sodom is driving down the road in a car, and they're headed up the street towards Lancaster and Fort Worth, and they see the need of the poor in the community, and Sodom and Gomorrah, they're eating their Big Mac or their Subway takeout or whatever that is, and say, maybe somebody should help those around me, but it's certainly not going to be me. Maybe we turn a blind eye sometimes to the poor and needy in our community. But God's not done with Abraham yet. Because in verse 22, the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. And it's likely that a lot of your versions will read that way. But there's some scholarship that thinks that perhaps this is a textual edit. They've got a more original manuscript that reads a different way. A better rendering of that verse would be, the Lord remained standing before Abraham. God's not done yet with Abraham. He's not done doing with him what he's set out to do. And God remains in Abraham's presence, almost inviting him to speak up. And I think it's at these times that God has pointed out to us, he says, do you see what's going on in the world? Do you see the crazy things that are happening in ways that you can't control? It seems like you can't do anything about it. And I'm pointing this out to you because I'm going to bring this thing to a close. I'm going to bring judgment to this world. What are you going to do about it? Let's read what Abraham does. It's in verse 23 of Genesis chapter 18. Abraham came near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you indeed sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from, me, from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you. Shall you judge all of the earth? Shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly? And the Lord replied to Abraham in verse 26, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare the whole place on their account. And this goes back and forth and back and forth. Abraham and God, Abraham and God. He says, if there's, less, if there's five less than 50, will you spare it? God says, yes. If there's 40, will you spare it? Yes. If there's 30, will you spare it? Yes. If there's 20, will you spare it? Yes. If, God, God, if there's just 10, will you spare Sodom? And God says, yes, I will. Yes, I will. God, in this moment, invites Abraham into action. His blessing of Abraham comes with that call to action. Abraham begins his work of blessing the nations by interceding on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, if there's any way, God, if there's any way, could you possibly hold back the judgment so that the, the, the righteous won't be slain with the wicked? And unfortunately, we don't have time today to dissect Genesis chapter 19, but it turns out that there are only four people in Sodom 
who are righteous in God's eyes. And God warns Lot and his wife, his daughters, to come out of Sodom before he destroys it. But I believe we're still at the cusp of Genesis chapter 18, verse 33. As soon as he had finished speaking to Abraham, the Lord departed, and Abraham returned to his place. Abraham has just flipped the idea that one bad apple spoils the whole bunch, and he says if there's just one person, perhaps you can save the rest. And I believe that it's at this time and in this day that we, as a people of God, need to stand up and intercede on behalf of our country, on behalf of our cities, on behalf of our state, and on behalf of our families. So that God might just maybe, just maybe hold back a little bit longer that others might come to know his love. As the praise team joins me back up on stage and we finish out with a couple of songs, I want you to think about this. There's this question in your study guide. Though Abraham may not have fully understood, have a full understanding of God's character, what parallels do you see between Abraham's intercession and Jesus' intercession? Because it's Abraham that's standing up in front of God and saying, God, would you, could you please hold back? And it's at this time we need to do the same because Abraham was acting as a Messiah. He was acting as a Christ. It's in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, as Jesus himself is hanging on the cross and he's looking around to what the world has done to him. He's bleeding on the inside, on the outside, in total pain and torture. And he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And I believe that Jesus prayed that prayer not only for the Roman centurions who were nailing him to the cross, not only for the religious leaders that put him there, but he was praying that for the entire world populations, the generations that have come and gone and are here on this earth. He says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're running around. They don't know what's going on in this world. They don't, they, they don't get it. And it's Jesus in Romans chapter 8, verse 34, who stands up and Paul says that he's able to save Forever, those who draw near, because he is, made, he is a living intercessor for us. It's in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, that the Jesus, again, is described as that intercessor. He's the one who is interceding on our behalf. And even more so now, seeing the example of Abraham and seeing the example of Jesus. We too, as a people of God, should be a people of prayer. During these uncertain times, the one thing that cannot be taken away from us, unless we let it, is our connection with God. So my challenge for you this morning, as you've joined in on Zoom today, we're so thankful that you're here. It's so good to see your faces this morning. Yes, you're on like a little tiny black box out here in the middle of the sanctuary, and I'm imagining in my mind that you're around here in these pews. But today, now more than ever, we need to be a people of God who is standing up and praying on behalf of our church, on behalf of our families, on behalf of our country, our leadership, our nation, our cities, our towns, that God might show up again, that his Holy Spirit would be poured out upon us and we will see the fruits of that. Starting this week on Monday morning, 7 a.m., I hope it's not too early for you, what else are you going to be doing, right, unless you have to go to work? 7 a.m. Monday morning, and we're starting up a Zoom prayer meeting. 
Just half an hour, 7 a.m., 7.30, you can hop in for half of it, for all of it, for 10 minutes of it. But we're going to be huddling together. So I invite you back, check our social media. Uh, if you want to join our, our newsletter, uh, you want to be notified about that, you know where to go for that. It'll be on thisiselevate.org slash live. And I invite you to come join with me as we pray. We're going to do it Monday, we're going to do it Wednesday, we're going to do it Friday, and then we're going to meet back here at 10.15 on Sabbath morning. But my invitation for you is we've seen the example of God interceding on behalf of us, and we've seen Abraham interceding on behalf of Sodom, that we would be a people of God that will stand up and say, we will intercede. We're going to be the ones to stand up on the watchtower. We're going to be the ones in the midst of calamity to focus on Jesus and say, God, far be it from you. May you save one more. Could there be 10 more? Could there be 20 more? And only God will know. What makes God upset? Seeing people that don't want to have a relationship with him, that are disconnected, that are far away from him. But we as a people of God, as an Elevate family and a community, can bond together. Will you intercede? So basically, Abraham is entertaining strangers. And during that visit, he finds out what God is going to do to Sodom. And of course, he's got some family over there. Lot, of course, if you remember from the Bible story, moved there. And Abraham is asking for righteousness and he's asking for justice. And I love how Pastor Michael put that together, saying that righteousness and justice go together. I, I love also the thought that God God is not done with you, just like he was not done with Abraham. It was meant to be that Abraham would intercede for Sodom. It's not that God wanted to destroy Sodom. That is not it, and that Abraham needed to convince him not to. But there's something important about intercession. I mean, do you see what's going on in the world right now? God invites Abraham into action to intercede for the nations around him. And we need to stand and intercede on behalf of our state of our country and the world right now, especially with COVID-19, that others may come to know his love. Summed up a little bit more in Hebrews 8.25, we are called to stand up, to intercede, and to pray, especially for people that we don't know right now. Asking God to pour out his Holy Spirit on us, even if there is but 10 people that we know. Abraham didn't probably even know 10 people in Sodom, but he was praying for all of them. Which begs the question, when was the last time that you prayed for somebody that you didn't know? Do you believe that prayer works when we pray for people we don't know? I don't know if Abraham knew exactly what God had the angels do for Lot and his family, but he believed in God by faith. Even when he saw fire rain down from heaven, he might have seen that. But we need to look on others with the love that Abraham looked on Sodom with, interceding for those, even if they don't deserve it. Who is somebody right now that you can think of who doesn't necessarily, according to your standard, deserve your prayers? Have you thought of their name yet? I know that I have. Let's say a prayer together. Heavenly Father, I lift up this person to you right now. I don't know what they're doing in this moment, and my humanness side doesn't really care. But Lord, you have called us to care and to bear with one another in love. And just like you asked Abraham to intercede for the nations around him, even the nations that didn't know you, I pray for this person that I'm thinking of right now, 
I don't know if they know you, and frankly, it's none of my business what's going on in their heart. But you have called me to pray. And so I pray for them right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to Elevate Retake. Elevate Retake, it's recorded weekly at Keene Church. Our audio is captured by Blake Snyder and Isaac Chang. Our sound design and editing are done by Shane Miosi and Inspire Productions. Our executive producers are Michael Gibson and Jonathan Coker. Our team includes Evelyn Elanis, Candice McCormick, Isa Manu, Semu Sialoga, and Alethea Gelbin. Special thanks to Danae Sanji and 88.3 The Journey. Stay connected. You can find Elevate on Instagram and Facebook at This Is Elevate TX. Currently, our services are live streamed every Saturday morning at 10.15 a.m. on the Keen Church YouTube page. We'd love to have you join us. There is always room for one more.